You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn, Wednesday, April 5th, a.k.a. Matt Boldy Day. Uh, happy birthday to the king of Minnesota Wild scoring right now, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki back with you to break down the Minnesota Wilds past week and looking ahead to the final week, uh, week and a half of the NHL regular season. Tons of good stuff to get to on the show today. We'll talk about playoff matchups. We'll talk about Kirill Kaprizov's potential return, Gustav Nyquist's potential debut, a uh, whole lot more stuff. So you, uh, we thank you for tuning in. But before, as we always do, get into everything. Got to check in with the boys, Justin. How are things going tonight, my friend? Good. I'm on my short work week. Uh, the kids are on the mend from being sick. So uh, just looking forward to this weekend where uh, there's gonna be plenty of hockey between uh, college and the Wild. Getting to go to a game on Saturday. Uh, Want to sweepstakes? Get to go to the wild game being a sweet. So really looking forward to this weekend. Absolutely. And Zeke, what about you, man? Yeah, not too much. Uh, more interesting. Usual, just, you know, season winding down, enjoying this uh, time of year with all the great hot games, important games on every night. And, uh, and just, uh, you know, starting to get ready for that uh, playoff push here the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Lots of good games, even beyond the wild to watch lately. Mm-hmm. Um, watched a good one last night between uh, Edmonton and LA. Um, that yep. was a huge game. I've got uh, Calgary and Winnipeg up on the TV here in the background while we record. You know, there's just so many, especially in the West. I mean, the East kind of has their wild card race. So, it's, you know, there's those handful of yep. teams, you know, kind of battling it out for, you know, those last spots. But the West is like, there's a, you know, a, three four team wild card race and then both divisions i mean you look at how things stand right now in the pacific you have vegas all all teams 78 games played vegas 104 points edmonton 101 la 100 and then you look at right here in the central colorado minnesota dallas all of 98 points colorado with one game in hand like these are going to go right down to the finish tons of games against one another Vegas plays LA their next game they've got Dallas in there they've got Seattle in there uh you know it's it's just gonna, there's gonna be so many good games down the stretch here I think ABC's got a pretty wicked lineup on Saturday um of games leading up into the wild I think as well you have Hurricanes and Sabres uh Vegas and Dallas and then I think it's uh Boston and New Jersey and then the wild um, and the Blues that night, too. So, like, just a full day of hockey. Schedule. Awesome games that day. So, just tons of great games. Great time of year, of course. The uh, the Frozen Four, 
uh, kicks off tomorrow with some big games. We'll talk about that toward the end of the show. But you know, as you alluded to, there's just there's so much good hockey on right now. It's such a such a great time of year. Feeling like you're just watching a meaningful game every time you turn the TV on, even if it's not the Wild. So, uh, but this is a Wild show, so we will talk Wild. And as we always do, we'll kick it off with the prospect report. So, Justin, why don't you let us know what's going on down in Des Moines and beyond? Who already starting off with the uh, the teaser for next season? Uh, we yeah. see, but uh, I just lost my document. Hold on. All right, uh, <laughs> we'll start off with uh, Liam Ugren, who has been on a tear in the playoffs. Uh, he's up to eight points in six playoff games, uh, six goals total. Uh, he leads his team in points, and then he's seventh in the Hockey All Event Skin uh, leaders for uh, point totals uh, in the playoffs. Uh, I was looking at it last night, and he's the youngest by a good five to eleven years by all the other guys that are in the top six ahead of him. So, uh, pretty good sign that he's not just uh, doing well there, but uh, leading his team in points with guys like Lakari Maki and Auslind on his team. It's just great to see him take both off. who were drafted higher than him. I believe so. I know Lakari was for sure. I don't know about Auslind. Yeah, he was like fourteenth by Buffalo or something right around there. <laughs> Not sure. I have Google. I'm gonna look it up while Justin keeps talking. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep going. You look. You you jump in when you find it. <laughs> um, jump into the KHL. Uh, I don't know how to read into this. It was posted by the Hockey News Hub. He's pretty deep into the KHL, and there was no mention of Yurov in Metalurg's end of the season presser. So uh, we'll see what happens there. I think we can sign him May first as long as he hasn't signed another contract in the KHL. So. Uh, just hold strong. Hopefully, hopefully we get him to Iowa. Yeah, and I I did find it. Zeke, you were really close. Buffalo sixteenth overall. No, okay. so and I think Leckermacki no. was grabbed by Nashville, like very similar spot. I think too. Yeah. So excellent. Cool. And I think the other thing too, quickly going back to Ugrin, that's been nice yeah. to see is you know he had that injury, he was kind of out for a while, you know, didn't yeah. necessarily come roaring out of the gates again. Um, but I think to, to see the kind of the impact that he's made now, like, especially in such, you know, we always talk about how crucial it is for these guys to play meaningful games late in the year to see him step yeah. up, you know, as you mentioned, you know, being one of the top scorers, you know, when the rest of them are five, 10 years older than him. I mean, that's, that's just huge, um, right. you know, huge, meaningful games for him and great to see him kind of bouncing back and just a sign of great things to come. Cause I feel like it, in a way with, you know, how many other big years guys like Bankier have had, you know, the attention of Husnadinov, the year off saga, like. Ugrin's been like partially yeah. forgot about and he's having a really, really nice year um, and really picking it up here in the playoffs too. Right. And before his injury, he was on a tear. He was on like a 10 game yeah. point streak or no, something like that. So, heater. Yeah. Just got hurt. Took a little bit of time to, to get back and just exploded the playoffs. So just excellent to see that he's able to shift that extra gear when the games mean the most. Uh, moving on to uh, continuing on with the KHL, SKA, CSKA are tied 1-1 in their series. Huznadinov has an assist in that series. Uh, the winner will go to the Gagarin Cup Finals. So good luck to Huznadinov. Hopefully he continues to tear it up there. Caden uh, Bankier, speaking of, had two goals, one assist last night. His team is up 3-0 in the series. He has eight points in three playoff games a multi-point game in all three off playoff games and is fourth among the league leaders for playoff points this season. Uh, only behind uh, Connor Bedard, 
pretty good player. Yeah, he's all uh, right. Logan, Logan Stankoven, <laughs> and then he's tied with Savoy and Ferkus. Uh, I think Savoy had another point today, so he might be behind him now, but still pretty good company considering these guys are all either the number one pick or first-round picks or second-round picks, so... Uh, yeah, good to see him. and then I think it's saw crazy last night. Um, Bedard's team, Regina, who made a bunch of like trade deadline acquisitions too, is down like three zero to the eight seed uh, right now, which is yeah. just insane. Because if you, have, you don't follow like WHL trades, they trade like picks that are like eight years into the future, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and they they trade just like oodles of like first round picks and players, and they're just insane. Um, and one of the top teams in the dub, uh, the Regina Pats, might get bounced in the first round in a sweep by an eight seed, which is just, just crazy. the WHL is just like, it's so chaotic all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Makes it interesting and fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of brought up at the beginning of the show, Faber and the Gophers will play at four tomorrow for a chance to pay, play for the national championship game on Saturday. Uh, I imagine he signed shortly after, but uh, we'll get to that down the road. Uh, moving on, the OHL Petrovsky had a two-point night last night. His he has two points uh, in three playoff games. His team is down three to nothing in their series, so getting close to probably being eliminated. Unfortunately, uh, Hunter Hate had four points in two games this past week, as his team is up two to one in their series and playing as we speak. Spotcheck has two points in four playoff games. Sure, Sherbrooke just finished their game. They swept their first round series four to nothing. So we'll continue to see him in the playoffs here. Uh, and then finally, we'll touch on Iowa. They split their series with San Diego. I believe their magic number is around eight now. I haven't seen for sure, but it was at 10 mm-hmm. before they won their last game or won their one game with the split. Uh, they've maintained the fourth spot in the Central and they play a critical home and home against Chicago this week. But uh, something interesting I saw is that McIntyre and Wallstead haven't allowed more than three goals in any of their last 16 starts. So hopefully they can, like the big club, ride their goalies to, to a playoff spot here. So uh, Speaking That's of playing meaning, meaningful games late in the season, you know, every game yeah. right now, big time meaningful uh, for Iowa as they make that playoff push. Uh Let's go next. We'll jump. Is that is that all you have for prospects? Yeah, that's it. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I wasn't cutting you off there. Um, no, you're good. <laughs> let's move next into the game recaps. I believe three games uh, mm-hmm. since we last recorded, uh, beginning with um, what seemed like at the time one of the biggest and uh, biggest games and biggest wins of the season uh, back a week ago, um, as the Wild took down the Avalanche four to two. Um, if you look at the the just kind of the box score, the stats, like how things ended up, um, it looks like the Wild got pretty badly outplayed. Um, and while I think there's a teeny bit of truth to that, I think the bigger picture is here for two periods is a really tight game um, that the Wild kind of stuck with the Avs, even though I think you're arguably outplaying him a little bit. Um, and then much to much to my dismay, um, did what the Wild I think have done too much <laughs> and have done too. F- Often, no matter who the coach has been, if you, going back to the start of the franchise, is they had a lead going in the third period and went into turtle mode and defend, defend, defend. And Colorado came in waves. Um, got it close, got it into, I think, 3-2 before Freddie Goudreau iced it uh, with an empty net goal, 4-2. Um, and this one, Marcus Johansson gets a big goal. Freddie Goudreau scores twice, uh, the empty netter, and another shorthanded goal. And Sam Steele. 
uh, who got it was a late add to the lineup for I believe an injured Marcus Foligno um, picks mm-hmm. up a big goal in this one as well. Ryan Hartman, Jules Eriksson Eck, and John Klingberg, Jonas Brodin, Matt Dumba all pick up assists in this one. Philip Gustafson, just a massive game for him. 42 saves and 44 shots. 1.57 goal save above expected. Much of that coming in that third period where he really held down the fort, allowing the Wild to win that game. Uh, just an overall huge game. The Wild go oh, – I forgot they went 11-7 and seven this one too. Um, with Felina and Reeves out, Goligoski played on the wing and was pretty much useless. Um, but, you know – Oh, sorry, Felino was in the game. He's in the top line. Um, somebody else was out. I don't even remember. It happened too long ago. Uh, <laughs> the lineups, uh, the lineups changed too much right now. Uh, I think it was Duhame. Duhame was the one who wasn't playing. Um, that one. I think he was sick. Uh, anyway, yes. but I mean, overall, like I said, those first two periods, Wild looked pretty good. You know, we're right there with him. Kind of turtled back, sat back a little bit in the third period. Um, Colorado seemed to find some life, but ultimately able to hang on and get a big win, which at the time put them into first place in the Central Division, I believe, for the first time uh, all year. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, too, a big game, especially you know the fact it was a national TV game on TNT last Wednesday, second half of the doubleheader on that game. So, that, you know, it's always fun to uh, perform kind of a bigger stage like that. And, you know, it was in a way – even though they've lost the next two games to Vegas, obviously, you know, it kind of gives you a little bit more confidence that they can, you know, not even just hang with a good team like Colorado, but potentially, uh, you know, beat them and win some games, even in their own building. I mean, just, you know, really, really fun. Like you said, first two periods, you know, they were still buzzing around McKinnon and McCarr and those guys, but the first two periods, they did a really good job of kind of, you know, shutting them down. I mean, I don't know if he wasn't like slamming six or anything, but I think you could tell that, McKinnon and, and some of those guys were just frustrated. They weren't quite able to, uh, you know, get, you know, they weren't either finishing or just weren't able to uh, getting roughed up to the point where they couldn't uh, create as much offense as they usually want to and usually can pretty easily. So, you know, that was probably the biggest thing uh, is that they were able to, you know, contain their speed a little bit more and, and still play their game of, of you know, their hardworking, uh, grinding, physical kind of playoff style, which is what they're going to need to do, uh, you know, here in a couple of weeks in the playoffs. So it was uh, it was good first two periods, like you said, really good. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of funny how the announcers kept saying, oh, McCar- uh, Mc- was it McCarr kept changing out his blades, thinking uh, like it was his, his skating or whatever, whatnot. I, it might be part because Freddie he's Goudreau's been... Freddie just faster. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I, I mean, McCarr's been hurt in and out of the lineup, but it's like we're we're stemming them defensively. Those first two periods, I mean, our structure just kind of frustrated them. And it was a very even first two periods because both teams had 11 shots after the first. Both teams had 14 shots in the second. We're up 3-1. to one. And Then, like you said, Brett, we just kind of sat back on our heels, and it was kind of a frustrating third period to watch. But it was great to see, you know, you kind of wonder how, you know, you've Gusterson, Gusterson has had a great year, what, what he would do with some of these big-time games closer to the playoffs or even in the playoffs, and he just looked so calm back there. Uh, they ended up shooting the puck on net 19 times to our four, so he, again, maybe, I mean, we were up 3-1, to one, but he might have stolen one from us. It just felt like Colorado was just buzzing in that third, so yeah. Um, great to see Goudreau score two goals as well, up to 16 goals on the season, a career high, and 
Uh, it was kind of a sneaky I think season gets, for Freddie. Yeah, Murphy. I think he gets a lot of crap from fans, but I I really like his game and he's. But I really feel like stuck. now, like that that kind of hate is gone because yeah. he's playing mm-hmm. in the role that we have been right. screaming that hey, yeah. like we like Freddie Goudreau the player, but Freddie Goudreau right. the player is not a top six guy. Like we're like this guy's a middle six, bottom six type center whose main mm-hmm. focus should be the defensive side of the puck who might occasionally chip in if he's got some, you know, skilled wingers with him, which, you know, we've seen a couple guys rotate through. It's been Duhame, you know, Sunquist, um, Sam Steele at times, Felino, And, like, they chipped in goals, especially as of late. That line's been scoring a little bit more. Right. But I think that's been such the big thing for me is, like, yes, he looks better because he's playing in a role where he can just do what he's good at. He doesn't yeah. need to make these extra plays. He doesn't need to try to find Matt Boldy or whoever else all over the ice. Let that, you know, go to a more skilled guy in Eck, too. Um, and building on that, you know, t- talking about the defensive side of the game, um, I believe it was Harmon, someone in the Athletic, I can't remember who, who wrote it, um, I think yesterday put out an article about the top 20 uh, defensive centers um, using some analytics um, in the league yesterday in the athletic and Goudreau I think came in like 18 or 19 on that list so you know mm-hmm. doing what he's good at and like you said right. Justin I mean the, the goals have come we've seen you know both of those last game albeit one with the empty net shorthanded um, you know also picks up one and makes a nice play outraces Kel McCarr um, and with McCarr hot on his tails beats the goaltender for a shorthanded goal I mean just little stuff like that he's been instrumental to the success of the, of the penalty yeah. kill this year um, he's still, I think, been more, one of their more reliable guys in the faceoff dot. So just one of those really mm-hmm. good role players. And I think I've really warmed up to the idea of extending him. Um, and I think you look at, you know, how Goudreau's kind of bounced around a little bit um, in previous years. And, you know, obviously Dean Everson loves the guy. I think Bill Guerin has a tremendous amount of respect for him. Um, seems like a guy that would maybe take, you know, maybe similar to Ryan Hartman type money, you know, just a shade under $2 million on, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. What was it? Nash was it? Uh, Colton Sissons. I think he got yeah, like a six-year deal for like two million dollars a year, or six years, like two million a year or something. I would not be surprised if Freddie Goudreau signed something like that, where it's like, yep, we're gonna, you know, four, five, six years at you know one point mm-hmm. eight million or something. I don't know what he's making right now. I think it's around there, but yeah. It's- and yeah, yeah, not, not, sorry, Zeke. Uh, not not only has he got the career high in goals and just you know playing well defensively uh, penalty kill he's a shootout specialist yeah, this can, year. Can, <laughs> it's insane, like, there's no there's no room for specialists well on this he's team. played <laughs> the, the, oh no you're right specialist with shootout pro, uh, prowess <laughs> yeah it's just uh you know like we said before it's hard to imagine that he'll you know as long as dean is here that he'll be they'll let that they would let him go so and you know like you said it's so. Dean would resign and follow him. <laughs> yeah, he would. wherever he goes, yeah. he's, his, he's his favorite guy. So, yeah, who, who's yeah, firing no, their coach? Dean's gonna go coach there, and he's bringing in taking Freddie with him. Um, I want to talk about <laughs> coaches leaving and taking players with them. That's later in the show. Um, <laughs> so let's move on to the next game here. Um, you know, a really emotional win Wednesday night. The Wild got a couple days off. Uh, return with a late game Saturday at Vegas, the best team in the West, with a chance to really close that gap, make a charge toward the, the uh, conference title, and they they flounder in this one quite a bit. Ultimately, lose this game four one. Uh, one of those goals, an empty net. Um, but on top of probably coming off an emotional win, a pretty emotional play really early in this one. Uh, heart and soul guy Mason Shaw 
Um, goes awkwardly in the boards, and for the fourth time in his career, tears his ACL, I believe this time in the right knee, which is the second time, I believe, in that knee. Um, so now two ACL tears um, in each knee, just heartbreaking, and you had to think, and especially the way that fourth line had been playing lately, all of a sudden now you're scrambling with, uh, with you know, 11 forwards. You don't have, you know, you don't have the, the, the Goligoski or the extra defender in that game, and the Wildest never really seemed... Uh, to recover from that one, uh, Matt Boldy picks up another goal, and this one stays blazing hot. Um, but outside of that, I mean, not a ton of great came out of this. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. think the Wild played terribly by any means. I mean, uh, they're outshot 43-30. to 30. Attempts were close, 69-67. Uh, but the high danger chance is 21-12, and the expected goals, this includes the empty netter, which probably inflates it um, a little bit, but four point or 5.25, take away the empty net, goes down to 4.38. To Minnesota's 2.99. So just that to me, this, I didn't get a watch game as close as I wanted. I was at, actually, I was at Tom Reed's watching the game um, with some friends, but... Um, you know, a lot of perimeter play, the Wild not able to get a ton to the middle, and they just kind of got behind. They were just kind of clawing back the whole way in this game and just weren't able to kind of squeak out, you know, they needed that win and just couldn't get it. But I have to think, you know, when you see a heart and soul guy like Mason Shaw and knowing what he's already gone through, um, it had to be a tough game mentally for those guys are trying to fight through that um, a little bit there and, you know, could have been a reason um, that maybe didn't look they didn't look at their best in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, you said they did have a little bit of a push there in the third period for, you know, the first five, six, seven minutes where they had a bunch of good, you know, chances. I think Johansson had a partial break, uh, Brody hit the post in the same place. So, you know, there was push, you know, it wasn't just a sitting back, lounging around. But I mean, like, like you said, Brett, they weren't necessarily horrible, but it seemed in a way almost, you know, you said trying to play perimeter and stuff like that. I think they maybe tried to you know, almost play a little bit. I think they maybe tried to uh, play more of Vegas game, which is obviously a speed and skill-based game, which we know uh, and kind of finesse, which, you know, we we know that this team isn't really as suited to do this year, especially without Kaprizov in the lineup. So I think they just, uh, yeah, they just obviously couldn't really keep up, weren't able to really slow down uh, Vegas after they, you know, had scored first in that game. So, you know, but like I said, it happens, uh, you know, it's on the road, like you said, after a big win a couple nights before. So maybe not too surprising, you know, that this happened, but it it, it, it was definitely not a very a fun game for all of us to watch, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, not much to add. It was, it was frustrating just alone from seeing Shaw get hurt and then, like you mentioned, yeah. knowing what, what he's gone through and uh being one of those guys that just works his ass off, basically misses, if you think about it, three years of his life recovering and still makes the NHL and, and plays a vital role on the bottom. It's uh, a, a tough loss uh, on top of I, – I felt like after they scored that second goal to take the lead, that I felt like that was one that Fleury might want back. Uh, it, it just couldn't recover from there and then just kind of a – a frustrate, uh, frustrating game to watch overall. Uh, it was cool to see uh, how many wild fans were in Vegas cheering them on. But yeah, same with uh, same with Denver too. I yeah. mean, you could you could yep. both arenas audibly hear like right. "Let's go wild!" chants coming through, and like yep. and to do that in Denver, like I mean, I I I respect the hell out of that rivalry right. with the Avalanche. I hate their fans, but I I love the team. I love 
watching the Avalanche play. I think they're coached really well. They have a lot of skill. So those games are so much fun. And I can't imagine their fans would ever get away with that at the X. Right. But, you I mean, so many Minnesota fans out in Denver. And props mm-hmm. to the fans that were out there because they were loud and yeah. persistent the whole game. They weren't letting themselves get drowned out by that Avalanche <laughs> crowd. So, um, And it sounds like for the most part, Avs fans are pretty respectful too, which is nice to hear. That's good. Um, and I went a whole game on Twitter, and I did not – during the game, I should specify. Um, I did go after a troll after the game. But during the game, I did not say a mean thing or interact negatively with any Avs fans. And I thought, you know, that's, yeah, that's growth. Right. Someone's like, now do it for a whole playoff series. Like, ah, yeah. Baby steps, baby steps. I was yeah, you can't. Yeah, if you would have, you just got to stay out of the uh, reply section. Yep, I didn't, do, yeah, <laughs> I didn't look. I didn't look. You yeah, do. I mean, that's why. Area. Yeah, that's, you make a good point about the playoff series. That's why, uh, you know, it's been eight years since they played them there. That would, uh. That would be almost more draining than the. Uh, I mean, it's just be draining to have to sit through seven games. Yeah. With those guys, but yeah. you know, they've yeah. done it before. So. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, Another uh, thing. Uh, sorry, uh, I, I want to say one more thing. Another thing I've been noticing is not just in the game, but with the box score too, is uh, mm-hmm. cleaning up the third periods because got outshot nineteen to four against Colorado and then twenty-one to four against Vegas. Just uh, not really giving ourselves much of a chance. Mm-hmm to come back and, and kind of sit back on our heels. Yeah, not closing out games for sure. Yeah, um, the other thing I did want to highlight, and that's not necessarily a positive thing, um, but arguably one of the worst games we've seen from Wild Pair this season in this game from Alex Goligoski, um on the third mm-hmm. pair um, in this one. This is a stat I had our friends over at Evolving Wild um, look into for me because uh, when I was doing – PCS cards, I noticed he had, it. I think, the worst expected goals against that I've seen um, this year five, at 5v5. It was a uh, 2.485 um, expected goals against. Um, that's in about 14 minutes um, of 5-on-5 five five ice time for Goligoski. Um, that was the 42nd worst game in total XGA out of 36,676 mm. Uh, total player games this season across the NHL. So that's like a 0.1% percentile of bad games. Um, Ouch. And uh, <laughs> apparently I wasn't the only one to notice because he was not in the lineup for the next game against Vegas. Um, basically, if you haven't tuned into the show, not from with analytics, what expected goals against means is based on the shot quality that Vegas had when Goligoski's on the ice. Um, you know, if they if they that same thing happened game over game, more often than not, Vegas would have scored two to three goals uh, with Goligoski on the ice. Um, ended up only getting one in that one, thankfully, so clearly bailed out in this one by Marc-Andre Fleury, who we didn't talk about much. Um, maybe a little shaky there in the first period. Uh, maybe one or two of those goals he probably wanted back. Um, some bad angle shots that beat him. And then from that point on, settled in and played a really good game, um, held the wild, and it gave him a chance to win it down the stretch. Um but, yeah, I just thought I'd bring that up for Goligoski because I know it really muddies the waters, I think, when you see a game that bad. Um, mm-hmm. We had talked, I think, last week about you know him potentially being you know the, the 6D man going into the playoffs, and we had seen Merrill scratched in this one, and now I'm kind of back to I don't know. Like, part of me is like, well, what, you know, is that spot there for Brock Faber's taking or something, you know? But do they want, you know, Klingberg or Faber? One, do you want that as your third pairing? And two, do you want – which are you going to play one of those guys – on their offside, you know, full right shot defenseman, but that's a mm-hmm. story for another day, and we'll cross that bridge if we ever get to it. But, um, yeah, I had to point that out as well, but just hopefully, you know, we never see – I mean, it's obviously, like I said, it's a 0.1% uh, 
um, yeah. of all games here have been that bad. So hopefully, you know, not likely to repeat, but, um, you know, that was a big reason. You know, you look at 14 minutes, basically, where the Wild didn't even sniff the offensive zone when he was out there, and that's, you know, a big piece why, you know, maybe, maybe only had one goal in this one. Yeah. Get that point one out of the way before the playoffs. <laughs> right. We don't need a Kulikov game again. No, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> we do not at all. <laughs> all right. And then uh, finally, the most recent game, uh, or one of the most recent games here, uh, an absolute backbreaker on Monday night. The Wild fall to Vegas again, 4-3 to three in a shootout, a game they played so well uh, for, you know, 59 and a half minutes. And uh, rookie Pavel Dorofiev with 30 seconds left in the game ties it, gets it to overtime. Overtime goes to the shootout, and the Wild just can't finish it off, and they slip up another extra. Not only gave Vegas a point, but then also lost the extra. Um, I think effect, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but I think pretty much effectively took themselves out of the running for the conference. A lot would have to go mm-hmm. right down the stretch for that still to happen. Um, but aside from that, you know, like I said, a, a much better game for the Wild. They outshoot Vegas in this one, thirty-three to twenty-six. Out attempt them sixty-four to sixty-three. Uh, brought those high danger attempts down from 21 to 8. Only in Vegas just went at 13 of their own. Took the expected goals advantage 2.79 to 2.05. Um, Matt Boley, of course, scored again. Mm-hmm. Picked up an assist in this one. They also get a goal from the fourth line. Brandon Duhame with a really nice play up the wing. John Kligberg finds the net from the blue line. Uh, I think that one might have been on the power play. Yeah. Um, and some assists in this one as well. Dewar, Reeves. Uh, Matt Zuccarello, Marcus Johansson. Uh, so, you know, a lot of good in this game. Uh, a really, really solid game in this one from uh, Jonas Brodeen and Matt Dumba. Um, Dumba, arguably in my mind, was maybe his best game uh, of the season. They finished that pairing with a uh, 89% expected goal share, I believe holding Vegas' three shots um, at 5-on-5. Five over, I want to say, it's about 15, 16 minutes. And that was primarily playing against the eichel marcheseau Barbashev line. So, I mean, those two were absolutely dialed in. And unfortunately, their only blip is they were both on the ice for that tying goal. Um, and that pull play that led up to the Dorofia goal kind of breaks down because Dumba maybe makes a questionable play, you know, trying, you know, scrambling, trying to knock away a loose puck, dives, and all of a sudden everyone is out of position. Um, everyone kind of, you know, lost it a little bit. But. Um, you know, it's been really good to see. I think that pairing in general, I think we've seen since Brodin has come back. Um, you know, we, we've, we've brought up a couple times, but it seems like Dumba's playing much better hockey. And it seems like those are really starting to find their groove again, which is a really encouraging sign. Unfortunately, we've seen a little bit of a dip from Middleton and Spurgeon across that same stretch. But if both of those defensive pairs can figure it out in the wild, can be rolling those two in the playoffs, uh, that's going to be huge as well. I mean, I think, you know, they, like you said, uh, I think the key thing with Dumba has been that he's just been more stable. You know, he still doesn't, obviously, he does not really shoot the puck very much anymore. He doesn't create as much offense. But as you mentioned, there's not uh, been really any visible huge blunders pretty much for a couple of months now. And has, for the most part, done his, you know, done his job and has, you know, maybe not been, he's not been noticeable in a good way. Like we talk about defensemen sometimes, you know, sometimes. If you're not being noticed, you know, it means you're not making mistakes. You're doing your job. So that's good. But yeah, and, I mean, and, yeah, but... and we did see a little bit more of the shot volume in this one, too, from Dumba. Seven shot attempts, two high danger oh, yeah. attempts, four of those end up on goal. And then he throws it out, you know, 
combats on the defensive end with four block shots and two hits as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that last shift too with the goalie pulled. I mean, were were they all weren't they all out there for like a minute and a half yeah, at that point? Yeah, they had like yeah, three were... defensemen on the ice, so I don't yeah. even yeah. know how that happened. Like, because I so... think Brodine, Spurgeon, and Dumba, I think, were all out there, mm-hmm. which I, I have no idea uh, how that happened. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that you know, usually when that happens, you're just asking for trouble. If you can't just clear the puck out, uh, you know, like they could the last minute, which was kind of a bummer, but you know, it, it is what it is. Like Evison said, uh, you know, we thought we played a really good game, and he said basically, except for that stupid shootout thing, and you know, that's was the end of it. So at that point, oh well, lost skills competition. It it sucks. You keep that mention with the number one seed in the conference, but I guess you know that was going to be tough tough uh, get anyways. So. You know, I guess you just, uh, like you said, they played much better than the previous game, which is a good sign. So. Yeah, going back to kind of what you guys brought about Brodin and Dumbo, it was, it was, it's, you know, we know how Brodin plays. It's just insane to continue to watch him be able to pick up, even if he's like a step behind a player, just that, that foot speed that he has and, and the way he can skate and just how smooth he is defensively to be able to just frustrate guys like Eichel. It's, it's fun to watch game after game. You know, we saw him do it against McDavid and all these other guys, just uh, super underrated still, I think. But uh, mm-hmm. another thing about this game I, I noticed was it looked like Duhame, uh looked really well on that fourth line with, with Dewar and, and Reeves. Maybe could be a line going forward, uh, obviously with guys like, Kaprizov and, and Nyquist coming back. Um, it was tough to see Shaw go down for the year, but I, I think Duhame really fit well and obviously picked up that big goal. Um, it'd be great to see Klingberg be able to, you know, do what he did on the power play more frequently, how he was able to walk the blue line there. He's so good at, uh, we saw him do it at in Dallas all the time and, and finally saw him do it here. Just really good against that blue line. And then, uh, Boldy getting his 30th goal of the year was cool to see, and it was uh, the frustrating part was to see Dorf Dorfayev score two goals and then score the shootout winner after he, yeah. he was technically supposed yeah. to be scratched. Uh, uh, yeah. Also, Silky Mitz Julerick yeah. back in the shootout. My right. goodness! Oh my god! Yeah, I forgot about like, that move. He almost <laughs> deked himself back into the save, like he had already <laughs> deked out. Um, Bersois so bad, like he had he, he literally had the whole net. And then went back to his backhand and like forced no. it through his five hole after he already beat him, um, and unfortunately that was all all for nothing as you mentioned. Um, but yeah, I think Justin, you know, you, you point out, you know, maybe the other interesting kind of storyline from this game um, is kind of you know we did see Brandon Duhame slide down to that fourth line. That was obviously, I mean, the Shaw injury, you know, t- took one player out of the equation. That was a guy we unfortunately had predicted would probably come out of the lineup to begin with, but then we were wondering, you know, what do these bottom two lines look like once Kaprizov is back, once Nyquist is back? Um, and we expect, you know, maybe Duhame goes on, you know, that third line, they throw Nyquist there, a little more speed skill, uh, but they seem pretty content, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it seems like it'll be Foligno and Goudreau and Nyquist at least to start, but uh, I don't know if you guys saw it today, but uh, Dean Evison did have some quotes saying they have some different things they want to try. Um, so I think obviously like what they saw from that fourth line, I mean, you have two players that can kind of beat you down low with, with physicality and, and Duhame and, and Reeves, you know, Dewar not afraid to throw his body around either, but then you do have, you know, some skill and speed there too with, with the Deweys. Um, we'll obviously have, you know, a, a lot of chemistry playing together, even back to Iowa 
and then to start this year as well. So um, I'll be interested to see. It sounds like, you know, kind of jumping into our next topic here, um, we got some really good news out of practice today that um, one of Kaprizov or Nyquist will likely play Saturday mm-hmm. um, against St. Louis. It sounds like that's more likely that might be Nyquist. Um, they said he took part in a little bit, um, some contact today during practice. Um, so that contact jersey may be coming off the next morning skate. Um, I don't know if they have another practice before Saturday's game against St. Louis, um, but would assume that he would slot into that third line um, potentially Saturday. So we'll see. You know, I think Felino probably starts there. They stick with the same fourth line. Um, mm-hmm. And then they have back-to-backs, I believe, Monday, Tuesday, um, where they said Kaprizov and Andor Nyquist, who ever doesn't play Saturday, probably likely slots in for one of those games. They said bo- neither player will play both of those games. Um, so maybe they... You know, I would imagine that they may be, if it is Nyquist on Saturday and then whatever the Monday-Tuesday game he plays, they might, you know, maybe try two different lines, um, mm-hmm. combos, just to see which one works. Um, obviously, so limited time with so few practices and games left here um, as we head into the playoffs to kind of figure all that out. But the good news is they're looking, you know, outside of um, the unfortunate ACL injury to Mason Shaw that this team, knock on wood, um, should be fully healthier in time for the playoffs, which will be huge. Yeah, that, yeah no. that's, that's amazing oh. news for sure. Uh, you're kind of wondering if Nyquist would be able to even come back before the playoffs. And, you know, he's been trying to work hard to get get uh, playing time, but uh, mm-hmm. it'll be awesome. Hopefully, I want to see Kaprizov on Saturday when I go to the game, but it'd be cool to see Nyquist's uh, team opener. Um, I really like his game, and uh, I, I think his speed will complement Goudreau well and just his skills uh, kind of, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm losing I mean, my shot by Zeke, but uh, just awesome to hear that those two guys will be back soon. Yeah, I mean, he Nike was, like you said, Justin, he does have a history of scoring, putting up, uh, you know, 50, 50, 55-ish points in the league and has, you know, been a really skilled player in Detroit and other places in the past. So, I mean, obviously that's, you know, that's why they acquired him. They, you know, they thought that he would be able to come in at this point and, give them, like you said, the, on that third line, Justin, a little bit more offense along with the kind of defensiveness uh, and grit of the guys like Goudreau and Felino. So that'll be, you know, obviously really cool to see. And, you know, as Brett said too from Evanston today, that they'll probably, uh, you know, be trying interesting things to go up, trying some things out because that's, you know, we basically have been talking about for a month now. Like I know some people were like, well, is there even going to be a, you know, a spot for him in the lineup? I mean, obviously, you know they traded for him there's going to be a spot for him in the lineup but it uh it'll you know it'll have to be interesting to see if uh you know if that'll be able to work if if they'll be able to gel so uh and maybe even make this team even deeper than it has been with scoring but but yeah obviously the biggest one is uh is Kaprizov being back soon which you know i mean we all saw the uh, videos of him from practice today you know twirling around doing the Mohawks, half turns, and edges, and all that. You know, still in non-contact, I think. But uh, great to see that he's uh, not surprisingly uh, jumping at the bit to be back out there as soon as he possibly can. I mean, and, and the clips we saw were very limited. I mean, it's Kaprizov and you know, ten, fifteen minute clips. But yeah, I mean, you look at when you have a lower body injury, and from what we saw from the injury, it was, and given the timeline, it was very likely seemingly a groin injury. Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, can affect things like stopping, like turning, um, pivoting. We know, yeah. you know, the, the Mohawk, if you're a, if you're a skater where you kind of point both your toes out the you know, if you're the casual hockey fan, the way that Kaprizov protects the puck 
flaring those legs out and, and pivoting and getting his butt to protect the puck. I mean, that's a huge part of his game. And we, you know, the clips we saw, he was doing all those things, made a hard stop in front of Flurry. I mean, the, the clip that Joe Smith tweeted out from his um, skating session with um, head skating coach Andy Ness the other day, a lot of the same stuff. Like, that's really encouraging to see, you know, those types of movements. It didn't, you know, from what I could tell, it didn't look he was, you know, favoring one leg or another. And, you know, from, from what we've heard too, uh, based on the reporting, is he, you know, if if he could play Thursday, mm-hmm. I think he he would want to. But well, yeah, obviously, would. they they want to take it, you know, day by day. But the fact that he in his head um, is feeling to the point where he could play, um, excellent sign and just proof. I mean, that guy, he's superhuman regeneration abilities. Right. Um, but uh, you know, it's he's coming back at a great time. You know, Matt Boldy stepped up in his absence. You know, nearly thirty percent of the goals mm-hmm. after Carroll was carrying with twenty one percent. But we've seen that depth. You know, we talked. You know, last week, the week before, about just all the different guys that had stepped up and scored goals, and you know, while it's more so lately been a little bit more of that Boldy line, you know, we did see the big goal from Duhame the other night. We, you know, Freddie Goudreau, the two big goals in Colorado. So it's not like that's disappeared by any means either. So, mm-hmm. um, all good things there. So that was the good news, especially out of today. And um, you know, you have to you'd have to think as well that you know, getting your best player back in your lineup and. You know, a guy, a skill player, and a guy you traded for in, in Gus Nyquist. Um, you know, it has to be lifting the morale a little bit too, um, as the Wild head into some big games uh, here these next couple days. Uh, I mean, that more or less covers it from a Wild perspective, I guess, because um, you know we probably won't have another show before the regular season uh, wraps up, just due to the way the schedule plays out. Um, uh, here these next couple games. So while five games left, uh, a extremely desperate uh, Pittsburgh Penguins team at uh, at Pittsburgh tomorrow night, um, and mm-hmm. then home against St. Louis on Saturday, um, a road game uh, on the first of back-to-backs next Monday against Chicago, uh, followed by you know another really big home game final of the season against the Jets, um, a day off, and then they wrap up the season um, in Nashville, uh, where I imagine. Hopefully by that point the Wild kind of know where they are. I would imagine a lot of guys probably don't play in that one. I wouldn't be surprised if we mm-hmm. saw. Um, I think regardless of what happens, Brock Faber would be el- would likely be signed and eligible to play probably Monday or Tuesday or both. Um, you know, give some. De- yeah. I-, I would not be surprised at all if maybe after you know th- this last three games of the season, if we see the Wild start to rest some guys a little bit. Um, Conference we mentioned still really tight. You know the Wild are five points out of first in the conference. They're sort of tied for first in the division right now, depending on what happens in Colorado's next game. Um, with tiebreakers and all that, they sit technically right now third place in the division. It would be sixth um, in the conference, but I mean that's so tight, so many things can change. So I think it really depends on kind of you know what happens these next couple games, um, not only with the Wild but also the teams that they're. Know, chasing and competing with, but um, would not shock me at all. Um, I think especially for those Chicago, potentially Nashville games um, on the road, um, if we see some guys, you know, some bigger names. And we already mm-hmm. know Kaprizov won't play both, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the guys like Spurgeon. I think Middleton's been playing pretty banged up. Um, you know, maybe a guy like Zuccarello. Those types of guys might, you know, get a night off. The Sam Steeles of the world, you know, maybe draw in here and there as well. Yeah, no, it's a... Uh... You know, it's a kind of an interesting uh, dilemma at times. You know, we know we've seen, I remember last year, I think, uh, Boston had pretty much, you know, three regulars in their last couple of games. And, you know, some teams will do that. Some teams won't. 
Um, I think, you know, the guy like Kaprizov, as you mentioned, Brett, you might last couple, you know, imagine he'll probably I would imagine he would play at least a couple of games just to get back at the speed. But but yeah, no, I think, you know, the games might matter. Obviously, they're still in, like you said, on the central division potentially. But if that eventually, you know, that possibility kind of goes away, I don't know if there's, you know, as nice as it is to have home ice. I don't know if there's, you know, like we've seen in recent years, how big of a difference that is between starting you know, game one here or on the road in Dallas or Colorado. So obviously at that point you would just want to, you know, have your full team healthy and ready to go for the series. So, but, but yeah, no, obviously right now the focus is on, uh, you know, like you said, getting healthy and also trying to win these next couple games to stay in the race for potentially that two seed there. And uh, one of the potentially getting to play one of the uh, wildcard teams instead of uh, one of your central opponents. I think if they had a chance, I think if, you know, you you win in Pittsburgh tomorrow, you win Saturday in St. Louis, and it looks like you have a chance to maybe capture the division title, I think maybe then you pull off the gas of resting guys and maybe you go for that. You get the home ice, you get the wild card team Mm -hmm. instead of enforce, you know, Colorado and Dallas to duke it out. Um, I I just don't think that the, the conference titles in reach, like I said, so much would have to go right. And those other five teams would basically have to lose so many games and the wild would probably have to win i would say five out of the six um well they for sure have to win at least what is that at least three of the five they'd have to win and that would assume vegas doesn't win any of their remaining four to tie them so Mm -hmm. like i said it seems unlikely could happen but last to go right so that that's kind of the scenario i would see where they don't rest guys is like if they have a chance to win the division then maybe you don't Mm -hmm. but i think otherwise you know if it looks like hey you're going to be the two or three it's going to be colorado or dallas home ice maybe you care maybe you don't um didn't really work for them last year but um yeah yep i don't have much to add i I just i agree i I think especially if one of those whether it's the maybe hopefully it's the wild but if if either colorado or colorado or dallas kinds of runs away with with that one seed and and you know your opponent, uh, what's the point in not resting guys? Especially, uh, I I could care less if we get home ice. It's really nice, but like you said, it, some good in the past it hasn't really mattered too too much. So you know, just get healthy and get going to the playoffs healthy and 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 hopefully pumping on all cylinders. And I tweeted this out regardless of when that first playoff home game is. Mason Shaw, let's play hockey, would literally blow the roof off the X, I think. Yeah, yeah so that has to happen. Minnesota admin or marketing team, if you're listening, and I know Bill Guerin, Dean Evison, tune in. Pass it <laughs> along to the right people. Let's get Shazi to do let's play hockey. Don't have to, you don't even have to credit with the idea. I would just love to see it. But um, All right, so to kind of round out the show today, um, we're going to talk playoff matchups. So, not necessarily a playoff preview, but obviously we've talked at length, you know, how tight things are not only in the Central, but also in the Pacific and therefore the Western Conference in general. So there's a lot of scenarios, um, you know, as it stands right now, five with the way this Calgary-Winnipeg game is looking, but still potentially six different teams that the Wild could potentially face. Here in the first round uh, of the playoffs, the most likely, you know, seemingly still one of Colorado or Dallas um, would be you know those interdivision games, but if they do end up in the wild card, could be a team like Calgary, Seattle, um, even potentially Nashville or Winnipeg. Um, 
that would require, I think, Seattle to fall off pretty significantly or the Wild to win the conference. But again, none of that stuff right now is mathematically impossible. So uh, we thought it'd be fun to just kind of run down rank one to, you know, mm-hmm. one being the best, six being the worst matchup here um, that the Wild could have. So we'll start at the top with what we think is the best matchup, and we'll, we'll kind of go around the horn here. Zeke, we can start with you. Of those six teams, Colorado, Dallas, Winnipeg, Nashville, Calgary, Seattle, which team do you like the best and think the Wild would have the best chance of getting out of the first round uh, if they matched up against them? Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, I think a lot of, you know, all these teams are obviously pretty close. But for me, I would say Seattle would be my, uh, I guess, you know, number one choice for, you know, in, in terms of easiness to win. I know Seattle played, you know, one really good game here this year. You know, they've been tight both their first two years of the league against the Wild. But, I mean, you look at their goaltending, they don't have the exact numbers, but I believe, you know, both Jones and Grubauer are, are below sub 890 save percentages on the year. I mean, they are a very fast team. I'll give them that. You know, they got really deep. Not a lot of maybe necessarily superstars, but they're very deep on all three or four lines. And they did, uh, you know, they had a couple good period and a half. If it were not for uh, Marc-Andre Fleury there a couple weeks ago, you know, might have had a bigger lead on the Wild in that game. But I just think, you know, I I, I, I just think they're potentially, uh, you know, the way the Wilds, you know, despite they're being close, they've more often than not came out on top and, you know, comparing having one of the best goaltending tandems in the league with from the wild side to maybe one of the worst uh, on their end. I mean, I know it, it's not prevented them from winning in the regular season, but I would, you know, I would take my chances with, uh, with, with those guys uh, over some other teams. Yeah. I don't think Seattle is, is a bad matchup at all. Uh, they come in number two for me. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, with the last few games while I've played against them, Seattle scoring just a single time, uh, in those games, that was kind of a garbage goal. I think really yep. late in the last game um, that they played against them, shut them out previously 1-0, and I think the one early in the year was like 4-zip. Did they have one other game against them, too, or just three? It was that flurry. It was a one nothing shutout. Like, yes, yeah, so I think it's just the three games, right? They didn't have four. Yeah, just yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they beat them two out of three times. One time they got shut out. That was early in the year, kind of when they were a little bit of a funk. Um, and Seattle, ha- you know, they started off the year really strong, have kind of cooled off. A little bit since then, they're seemingly kind of settled into that wild card one spot. Um, unless you know they, you know, pretty much unless they lose out here, um, yeah. and fall into the wild card two or you know even out of the playoffs, they would seem like the team that would be, you know, whoever wins the central would likely get Seattle. Um, so of those specific teams, would be one of the most likely um, in that scenario. So Seattle one for me, or sorry, two for me, one for Zeke. Uh, Justin, who was your uh, most preferred playoff matchup. Do you have Seattle or you have somebody else? I have somebody else, actually. It's going to be a border battle against Winnipeg. Um, I, I just feel like, yeah, I, I mean, they have some really good players, but we've matched up against them really good this year, uh, beat them all three times we've played them, and I feel like every time we've played them, they've had a hard time doing anything against us. We beat them like 6-1, to 4-1, to one, and 4-2. to two. Um it's a great rivalry already, I feel like, and this would just add to it, but uh, I personally think that they would be my top choice, and then Seattle being two. I think the other thing there, too, uh, is I believe, you know, at least from just basic memory, that Hellebuck has been pretty bad against the Wild in his career. Yeah. You know, even though The he's... Wild live rent-fleeing in Hellebuck's head, and it's unreal because of all he's the goalies that the Wild, you know, make look good. <laughs> Like, arguably one of the most consistent and top goalies of the last, like, 
however long Hellebuck's been in the league, they just seem mm-hmm. to always play well against him, and I don't know why. Because I think it was the it was the home opener last year with the Eck hat trick and the, and oh, the yeah. crazy comeback, and you mentioned earlier I think there's a six nothing game, and then I think the other two times they got four. So I mean they've just they've lit this guy up somehow. I just I don't know what it is about Hellebuck, but yeah, the Wild seem to have his number. But that would be just the time for things to you know crash back to earth and him to figure it out again. Of course. But, yeah. Right. Um, I feel like in the past Winnipeg's played kind of a heavy game and we've had a, kind of a harder time against it, but I feel like we're built this year to be able to match that. I heavy think game. they're Let's the heavier team skill. now almost. Oh probably. yeah, I think so too. But we have um, the skill too to be able to match some of their scores as well. So yeah, and we're gonna go three for three with with different opinions here. Um, my top pick was actually Calgary. Um, they've just had such an up and down. They haven't they haven't found their game lately. I mean, they, they've mm-hmm. been they've been struggling all year. Jacob Markstrom has been one of the hottest slash coldest goalies. He either is really good or really bad. Um, and their scores haven't figured it out. Um, I don't have the record of the Wild playing them this year in front of me i know i'm pretty sure they won the last matchup against them um we're uh one and two against them yes i mean they have a losing record too but i just think the the playoff style and the inconsistency and the pressure and you know calgary's going to be playing every game down they're not going to be able to rest guys i mean they're playing meaningful games the whole way down the stretch um up on winnipeg 3-1 right now to basically cling on to their playoff chances um this one's probably pretty unlikely to happen Mm -hmm. is you know cal Calgary, based on the outside looking in right now, Wild would have to win the conference to get the matchup with Calgary. Um, well, my gut just says they'd have they'd, they'd fare well um, against him there. So, um, Seattle was my number two. Uh, Justin, we can go back to you. Who is your? Who do you think is the second best potential matchup uh, for the Wild? I, I did go with Seattle. I, I just yeah, they've. I feel like they've played us well in the beginning of the games, I think like mentioned before, but uh, I mean, we've, we've beat them all uh, two of the three times and just, um, yeah, they have a good amount of speed, but uh, Zeke mentioned their goaltending. I, I just think we match up well against uh, a couple of guys that are maybe less than par. Yeah. Markstrom is pretty bad too, hot and cold, like you said, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think Seattle's goalies are anything to, to bat an eye at either or whatever you want to, however you want to say it <laughs> and you've got a young team there some playoff experience yeah. not a ton um you know like you said the shaky goaltending you know guys you know, like maddie beneers we you know we've seen Kirill Kaprizov, matt boldy like those first those first playoff experiences are an absolute wake-up call for rookies so it yeah. takes you know some of those more threatening yeah. pieces out of it you know jared mccann's been on a scoring bender all year i mean he <laughs> we've seen what happens when regression uh, to the mean strikes, and you can go cold in an instant. So, yeah, I, I, I'm right there. I think Seattle, you know, Zeke, you're number one. Justin and I, number two for both of us. I think that's, you know, a pretty favorable matchup. And, you know, one that's not outlandish, like we mentioned, if they can go ahead and win that conference. And, you know, I, I will take Seattle easily, no questions asked, over Dallas and Colorado. 100%. Um, sure. Zeke, who's your two? Yeah, I, I'll go with uh, your pick in Calgary here. You know, like you mentioned, Marks from just kind of been shaky this year, but I think, you know, originally I, you know, didn't think very highly, you know, I had them a little higher on this, you know, in my mind in terms of difficulty on this list. Cause you know, in the past, especially there, the wilds have not been very good against that team, but you know, then you obviously, then you just kind of remember, okay, well, you, you know, they have no Matthew Kachuk anymore. No Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, Huberto has not been very good this year uh, not anywhere near what he was in Florida for that mm-hmm. many years. And, you know, a lot of the guys who, 
you know, they still have some good players like Elias Lindholm, et cetera. But, you know, some of the guys like him and even him and Manjapani, who were each had close to 40 goals last year, have, you know, all kind of regressed back to the I think Manjapani scored like his, I think it was 16th. Yeah, just tonight. So I think that's, you know, they've obviously, you know, losing that much talent helps. Uh, Kadri's been a good player, but, you know, as you kind of maybe could have expected, you know, not being on Colorado anymore, he's not going to have 100 points yeah. uh, on that team in Calgary. So, the, you know, they have some good scrappy players, some good tough guys, but, yeah, they just don't, you know, like Brett explained, their goaltending is kind of shaky, and it's just, like you said, they haven't really, they haven't, I mean, their record indicates it. They're essentially 36 and uh, 42 this year with 15 overtime losses. They've just kind of been win-loss, win-loss all year and not really, you know, they're just not very, they're just a bland team overall. I agree. Um, I think it hit us right away. Who's your number three? Oh, yeah. I'm trying to see Seattle. Winnipeg. Well, I mean, obviously, if you Winnipeg, then, uh, you know, again, it was all close. But like Brett mentioned, uh, and we talked about it earlier with Hellebuck, having historically really bad uh, against the Wild, he, he still is one of the best scorers in the league. So you never know there. And uh, they do have, you know, obviously, there's been some tumultuous times here recently with guys like Shifley and all that, but he's still a really good scorer. Kyle Connor is still very good. You know, you almost forget that Nick Ehlers exists, even if they're not playing him right uh, in the right role, he's still a, you know, it's star caliber player. So there's, you know, they're another solid team. Uh, you know, they definitely wouldn't be, uh, you know, they'd be the favorite, but definitely wouldn't be a super easy out. I don't think. Yeah. I'm trying to see if I can, while we're talking about, see if I can find like, Hellebuck splits like against the wild and not against the wild, but uh, I don't know if I can pull that. Oh, that might be it. Um, Justin, while I'm looking at this, uh, why don't you give your number three? Uh, my number three is going to be <coughs> Calgary. Uh, basically, same three teams, just different order. Uh, like you mentioned, they're not the same team since Chuck and uh, Goudreau are gone. Uh, Huberdeau hasn't been as good. I mean, they still got a, a, a okay team, but Huberdeau has less than half amount of points this year as he did in Florida. Kadri uh, sits about the same amount of points as him, about 30 less points than last year. Uh, they're just don't really scare me at all. I, I think we'd match up well against them, even though they've took two of the three games from us. One of them was a shootout, one nothing loss. Um, I didn't think we played bad in that one, but actually, actually I don't remember how we played. <laughs> it's been so long ago, but uh, long story short, I, I, they just don't scare me. I, I think we'd match up well against them. And uh, yeah, they're my three. And I have another different one here um, at my number three. So my number three um, is actually Nashville, um, who I think people still forget oh, yeah. is still has the potential to be yeah. a playoff yeah. team um, because they literally sold most of their team at the deadline. They got rid of <laughs> Matias Ekholm. They got rid of Nino Niederreiter. They got rid of Mikhail Granlin. I believe their top scorer since the trade deadline has been uh, Tommy Novak, um, which, granted, he's played really well, but like if that's the player you need to shut down, like – <laughs> Nashville, I honestly probably should even be higher. The only reason that I bumped him down is for whatever freaking reason the Wild cannot win at Bridgestone Arena. They just seem to struggle in that building, and the fact that UC Saros exists. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, it's all it takes is one hot goalie, 
Um, and I think if I look at the potential teams the Wild could play, um, maybe outside of Jake Ottinger, there's not a goalie I think that scares me more to knock the Wild out than, um, you know, than than you know UC Saros. That's the only reason I didn't have him, um, you know, potentially lower um, in this one. But um, they'd be my three again. I think you know that one's probably a long shot where you know the Wild have to probably win the conference for that to happen. Um, and Nashville, I think, still probably not the favorite. Um, to grab that last wild card, but again, still not mathematically impossible either. Um, so now we'll kind of get into the harder matchups here. Um, I'll go with my next one. Um, I had Winnipeg. This is where I had slotted in Winnipeg. I think I just, you know, it's 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 just I just think those other three are a little bit easier. Um, I almost have them more in in th- that tier. I'd rather play them over Dallas or Colorado, but. I'm going to pick next for me. What about, uh, I don't know whose turn it is. Either one of you can go. <laughs> uh, I'll go, I guess. Um, my four is Nashville just because of how bad we play them usually. Uh, Their building's hard to play, and even though their team's not as good as, you know, maybe the, when we played them beginning of the year. Uh, they still have a lot of a talent with, you know, Forsberg and, and Yossi and then Duchesne and Johansson. So, I, I don't know, it's just – the, like you mentioned, too, Saros usually plays good against us, it feels like, and uh, just a, a team that, just thinking from the past, they just play us really well. So uh, that more than anything is why I put them at four. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Zeke? No, I think, yeah, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't have a national on my list. So I guess for next for me would be uh, – would be Dallas. I mean, you know, Brett mentioned of Jake Ottinger, who's, you know, looked very good. You know, he's kind of slowed down a bit over the year as he's kind of, you know, had a huge workload, but he's still a very good goalie. He, you know, we saw against Calgary last year, he's another type, still young, who could potentially be a series stealer or a game stealer at that sense. Um, you know, at, at this point, I mean, they're a very good team. Obviously, everyone knows Jason Robertson, Rupe Hintz up front on their top line and guys like Miro Haskin and at D and all that are all very good players. And, you know, they all wild always seem to have a tough time with them, especially in their own building. But I don't, you know, I don't think it's impossible. I mean, obviously, you know, we know wild themselves have a good, a good goaltending tandem uh, that they can switch in and out. You know, they have the scoring, especially with the back to, to stick up with those guys and the defense to kind of, you know, maybe counteract some of their more high scoring. So, yeah, so they'd be a really tough team. Uh, they, you know, like I said, they've played the Wild really well, especially this year. But I think they're a teensy weensy bit easier than the team who's uh, probably going to be uh, the last team on all of our lists. So. Yeah. Um, update on the um, Hellebuck thing. I think the only two teams or players that have had more success against um, Hellebuck than the Wild are McDavid and McKinnon. Like the the mm-hmm. abs and the <laughs> abs and the um, Oilers. Oilers. So yeah, the wild farewell. Um, yeah. So I think, but if it you know if it comes down for me between Dallas and Colorado, I think I'm with you, Zeke. I prefer Dallas in that situation. Ultimately, just because I think we really haven't seen a healthy Colorado all season, and it sounds like for them, mm-hmm. um, Gabe Landeskog, who is my you know, I hate him more than you know, <laughs> I do. Very few players that I dislike in the league more than him. Yes. Um, sounds like he's nearing a return. Um, and if they're healthy, 
it's I mean we saw what can happen if, if they're firing on all cylinders and and you take a period off the way that third period went last time um you know the wild did outplay him a couple months you know a couple months or you know month and a half back and just beat him again um lost that game they outplayed him but like they, they've played him tight but we really haven't seen these two teams face off where both have been healthy um mm. so to me there's just too much uncertainty there to me I think the only way you beat Colorado is Philip Gustafson and or Marc-Andre Fleury probably has to steal two of those games. Um, where Dallas, I, re- I really feel like, you know, Dallas and Minnesota, you kind of look at what they are. They have two teams with a really good goaltender, one line that can kind of put you through the blender, and then three other lines that are kind of eh. Like, yeah, you might, you know, they have a decent second line, depth guys. So I feel like, you know, if, if you can match appropriately, I think we can get the home ice – you can, you know, get the line out there to shut down. You know, it's no easy task to shut down Jason Robertson, who I think just hit his 100th point the other night. Um, and that line with Rupe Hintz and Joe Pavelski, which has been, you know, one of the steadiest and most consistent lines in hockey, basically, since it was assembled. Um, but, it, it, you know, it, it sounds like it's as easy task to say out loud to shut down that line. But to me, where Colorado could maybe come at you, depending on how they construct their lines, um, you know, they're going to have one of McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog or Nachushkin on a second line where, you know, Dallas, maybe outside like Jamie Benn, secondary, like a Tyler Sagan type, like none of those guys scare you as much, I think, as those other guys. So I think mm-hmm. you can match a little bit. You look at the way the depth is picked up for the while with the way the Boldy lines picked it up with, you know, potentially Gus Nike was coming in. And I think even, you know, with maybe even overlooking slightly is, you know, the wild power play could bounce back. And all of a sudden now you have options on that second unit when fully healthy. You, know, you can run, you know, a, a Gus Nyquist, a Ryan Hartman, a Marcus Johansson with, you know, a Jared Spurgeon and insert whoever else, you know, on that power play. And all of a sudden now you have a little bit more punch in a second power play in it too. So I just think the matchup is better for the wild against Dallas. You know, it's not preferred, but, um, that one makes me feel just a little bit more comfortable um, than Colorado. Though, if you could get Colorado to knock them out, um, you know, it would it would feel good going into the second round. You'd almost feel invincible at that point. But, uh, Justin, where are you at? I mean, obviously we have both Dallas, Colorado. All of us, Dallas, Colorado, is our, our least favorable. I don't. I think that goes without saying. But yeah. who do you prefer or not prefer between those two? You know, it's almost a one A one B with me because yeah. I felt like Dallas played us so well this year. I mean, mm-hmm. that first game we we're up five to one. They come back storming to you know bring it to overtime then they beat us four to one twice and then we beat them finally in it or we beat them both games the series is two to two we beat them both times on a shootout um they're just a, a really tough team a tough matchup really good goaltending um dallas is my next pick obviously uh, but um they aren't playing as well as maybe they were you know when they were really jumping away with the division, but there's still a, a tough matchup. Uh, obviously Colorado's the defending champs and still have a lot of the same team. So, you know, they're obviously going to be the least favorable pick just with how much talent they have and how well they're constructed, their speed and how, how they can just jump on you at, at, at the snap of a finger. Um, so yeah, it goes Dallas and then, uh, Colorado for me just because you know Dallas might be the teeny teeny bit easier matchup but mm-hmm. uh, it's been a tough year facing them but I, I feel like we we're playing better than maybe we were earlier in the season too so yeah, yeah. and I think you can look at it too is how the teams are playing right now Colorado in their last 10 8 2 and 0 of course one of those two losses to the wild Dallas coming in 5 4 and 1 um 
Dallas might have the easiest schedule to close out this season. Uh, Philadelphia, Vegas is the one tough game. They have Detroit and then two against St. Louis. Uh, Colorado gets a, a West Coast road trip with San Jose, LA, Anaheim. Um, then Edmonton, Winnipeg, Nashville. So a little bit tougher. Um, and the Wild kind of a mixed bag with Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Chicago, Winnipeg, Nashville. So I would rank, though. I mean, I don't even know how I'd rank them. It, it, you know, you have some easy games for each team in there. Some, you know, the Wild... You know, the only real meaningful game, meaningful games in there, maybe two, Pittsburgh and Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Dallas has just Detroit and then Avalanche with Edmonton, Winnipeg. So if you want to break it down that way, 2-2-1. Two, two, so, you know, but, and the Avalanche obviously have the edge right now with the game in hand, um, with San Jose being that game in hand at the moment. So, I mean, you can sort of partially assume maybe they have a two-point lead, um, all things considered. But, you know, we saw Nash, or San Jose just beat Vegas. Um and could have done it, or they just beat was it Vegas? Uh, San Jose. Um, they just beat some. They just beat one of the playoff teams recently. I know. I know they lot. They San Jose came back, tied it, and then Eric Carlson made a terrible turnover in overtime yesterday. Um, no, that, no, that was against the Colorado. Yeah, I, th- I think San Jose yeah, beat Vegas. Super. Um, recently, so I mean, I'm not yes, gonna write them off right now, time. but um, off a tangent there, but yeah, so mm-hmm. um. To recap, we really like one of, you know, Seattle, Winnipeg, or Calgary as the ideal matchup. Um, we're a little more lukewarm on some of the other options. Don't want either Dallas or Colorado, but if we had to pick, uh, we would lean ever so slightly a preference mm-hmm. uh, for Dallas, though it's pretty close. So, um, yeah, so that's that's what we think. And then, uh, you know, obviously within the next nine to ten days here maybe even a little bit sooner depending on what happens with these schedules um we should potentially know where the wild will sit um who that matchup will be and we'll have a preview for that um it'll probably it'll be following the conclusion of the regular season we'll have our preview show um we're still bouncing back and forth between either um i think it's either sunday april 16th or monday april 17th um be one of those two days we'll have our our full uh preview show um we'll break (laughs) down the matchups and compare everything, look back at the season, um, all that good stuff. But um, the final piece here before we get into final thoughts, very quick news, personal notes. Uh, my Mankato Mavericks are in shambles right now. Uh, Mike Hastings, the head coach who basically built that program into an absolute powerhouse, uh, and I believe was there for 10 years, um, I think leading the Mavericks to the Final Four, tw- Frozen Four twice. Um, and probably in the COVID year, they had, I, I think that was the best team they ever had. And they had the, they were ranked number one, I believe in the nation at the time they, they, uh, turned everything off. So, you know, arguably two, maybe three of, you know, top four teams and, um, well-deserved got a, you know, get, got an offer to go take over the Wisconsin Badgers job in the big 10, basically doubling a salary. Cannot absolutely blame the guy for a second to no. leave, to go coach at a big 10 school, double your salary, probably have access to more resources than he ever had or would have at Mankato. Um, but as a result, we've seen a pretty large exodus um, of Maverick players as well. Um, 10, I believe it's up to 10 players now, skaters of their 18 from last year that have either um, signed a professional contract or entered the transfer portal, um, including um, some of their, I believe five of their six defensemen, their top scorer. So, they're in shambles, uh, I think, at this point. And, um, for those that cared for my opinion on this situation, I think the next step, you know, now that basically your whole team has left, I don't think there's any pressure to, like, bring a guy in there who can salvage anything. I think at this point it's make sure you go out, find the right coach, 
make sure you get a guy that's bought into what Mankato wants, what they want to do, has a plan for recruiting, um, and take you know take your time with it. It might take two, three year, two, three, four years to get back in the mix of things, mm-hmm. but um, I think that's the next step is to find the right guy for the job. Uh, Todd Knott, the assistant coach who they thought would be the incumbent um, coach, also decided to leave and I think is going with Hastings to Wisconsin. I don't think that's been officially announced, uh, but he has been a pretty denied the Mankato job, and that's the assumption he's going to follow. Hastings, uh, Hastings to Mankato, and Not was the one who did a lot of the recruiting of the players, which I think is why we saw basically I think four players hit the transfer portal in about an hour and a half span uh, yesterday. So, well, I mean that's just you know that's just seems to be a I don't follow it uh, you know as closely as other people do, but I mean just the nature of college sports, it's mm-hmm. just kind of how it goes in cycles. When yeah, guys I think Duluth in was in a similar situation. Was it what twenty seventeen where they I think lost. It was same thing, like 11, 12 of their players, I think, kind of following those national championships and stuff. I don't remember. Exactly. Oh, Justin, do you have a little better idea? I mean, we lost a lot of talent just because guys graduated, moved mm-hmm. on to the pros. And, man, I before all this happened, I thought it was rough that Isaac Howard and, like, commit Gavin O'Connell left, went to Michigan <laughs> State, and I was like, oh, what the hell. And then, then I – like, this happens like, oh Mankato, and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I can't feel bad anymore. Yeah, oh my uh, freaking beer. I, we did, after those championships, lose quite a bit of talent. I mean, we had some left still, like guys like, uh, I can't remember. It's, But we, we had quite a bit of talent leave. And yeah. We've kind of slowly, still good, but gone backwards slowly. Yeah. It, like you said, it just kind of ebbs and flows with college hockey. It's yeah. uh getting the right classes Stupid and the right 10. players and stuff. But uh, in I, have, I really hope Mankato builds something good. Uh, yeah. again, and I, I mean, like, and I like part of me, like sort of has to like slightly respect Wisconsin. Cause I respect the shit out of Mike Hastings right. as a coach. Um, I would not be surprised if one day he's in the NHL. Cause I think he's that good of a mm-hmm. coach. Um, and I think the style of play he coaches is very conducive to what I think a lot of teams are trying to do with combining size, speed, skill. Um, and I think he's great at developing those systems. He's a defense first because he's never had, you know, elite offensive talent, but he's always found a way. So I'll, 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 it'll be like, if you know how to describe it, it'd be like if there was a player, there's not really one now, but like if there's a player I liked on Chicago, I would cheer for the player, not for the team. I'm going to cheer for the coach who coaches yeah, right. the team, but like yes. I'll be happy only for my castings and not really. Not for right. Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the that was the the sad bit of news in addition to Shaw Andrew that we had to discuss, um, and obviously the big Frozen Four we talked about come at the top of the show, uh, Gophers Boston University tomorrow 4 p.m. and then that'll be followed mm-hmm. by Michigan and Quinnipiac. Of course, the East Coast get the get the matinee. It works out for us though because then we get the we can go Gophers Wild back to back tomorrow. Yeah, so. true. I'm not gonna play. I don't, we're not even to watch them side by side. It'll be nice. Be able to watch. One of them be a watch other will be kind of nice. So mm-hmm. won't complain too much about the East Coast bias. Um, right. And my bracket, you know, albeit blown to smithereens basically in the quarterfinals, I did have Minnesota-Michigan <laughs> as my as my championship game. So that's still alive. That's still yeah. alive. So, um, yeah, any other uh, thoughts there? Probably not much of Mankato, but anything you, know, you want to hit on Frozen 4 here, anything about the Wild, just final thoughts here before we uh, wrap the show up. Um, I just want to thank everyone. We do this a lot, but thank everyone for listening to us. We're basically wrapping up our third wild season. 
it feels like, like two and a half kind of two and a half yeah we started p- partly through the pandemic so yeah, two and a half it's, years it's, it's three it, it, three years three-ish two and a half three-ish years. It, 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 it feels like it's been less time it's been a lot yeah. of fun uh, Crazy. just appreciate all listeners and uh, said it before i almost didn't do this because i was so introverted i didn't want to talk but it's it's been great uh, doing this with you guys and just gaining the followers that we have so thank you all Zeke. Yeah, no, no, pretty much, uh, you know, repeat what Justin just said. It's uh, especially I found, you know, this season just as a fan, how fast it's gone by, how it doesn't seem very long ago that we were wondering, you know, you know, sky's falling. How are they going to score a goal? How are they going to get one save in a game? And now they're, we're sitting here getting ready for, you know, talking about hopefully... the kids to win the conference. <laughs> I know it's, uh, it's pretty crazy how quickly uh, that kind of changed, but it's just been, uh, but yeah, no, like I said, repeat to uh, echo everything Justin says, just said there. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening and also just, uh, you know, how fun this team has been and just how much, uh, you know, how exciting it is to go on a playoff series and to be, you know, just the fact that they've been playing really well and now they're going to get their best player back is, uh, you know, is pretty good considering where we thought they, you know, what we were, how we were feeling when he first went down about a month ago. Now. Right. So it's yeah. uh, it's exciting time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, can't really add much more to you guys said. Should be a great weekend of hockey with the Frozen Four, uh, the Wild with games tomorrow against Pittsburgh, Saturday against St. Louis. Um, And they round out the season, as we mentioned, at Chicago, home against Winnipeg before ending the season on the road in Nashville a week from tomorrow, probably today. By the time you're listening, uh, we will take that Friday, Saturday off. And then, like I said earlier, either that Sunday or Monday, we'll be back to probably briefly run through any notable uh, things from those five games. Probably won't spend too much time on them unless there's something very significant um, to break down in there. Um, But otherwise the focus of our next show will be previewing that first round playoff matchup against who knows who probably Colorado or Dallas, um, but still other options out there. Kaprizov back soon. Nyquist potentially lineup Saturday, big tilt against a desperate Pittsburgh team tomorrow. Gophers at four, to uh, get you warmed up for the wild game. So it should be a great yeah. day. We are excited uh, for everything coming up. So Justin, why don't you wrap this up? Remind everyone where they can find you and all of your work. You can find me at D 2004. You can find me at Caprice C with the Caprice countdown. You can find me at MNW prospects with MNW young guns. Make sure not to follow the imposter. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, follow whoever you want. Uh, and then also at Pipeline UMD with UMD Bulldogs Pipeline. Awesome. And Zeke? Yeah, as usual, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Zeke Dwyer with capital Z and a capital B. And if you want to connect with me at all, that's where you'll be able to find me. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and Instagram at Sound the Foghorn. All one word. Uh, five games to wrap up the Minnesota Wild season. We will be back with you once the regular season has concluded and we know who our first round opponent is. But until then, this has been another episode of 